0: So good evening everybody and welcome to tonight's uh, webcast and podcast uh, on the case study. This is uh, a course which is uh, suitable for all pathways, commercial, residential, quantity surveying, building surveying, so um, it's really important that you obviously uh, pay attention but um, if you do have any sort of specific questions please feel free to uh, to ask as we go through um, this is quite a general um, session, so it's not specifically related to any of the individual pathways. Um, but if you have anything specific related to your own pathway, please feel free to uh, to, to ask. This is not the same as the, um, the case study workshop, which is where we go through individual case studies and ideas with you. So if you just want to sort of ask, you know, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? This is probably not the session to be to be doing this. This is just a general introduction to um, the case study. What you need to do, how you need to do it, um, what it is that we're looking for as assessors when it comes to um, preparing for your uh, p- for your interviews. So, um, as I said, if you have any specific questions, feel free to shout out. But if it's just a general sort of you know, shall I do a letting or shall I do this? Uh, as I said feel free to reach out um, separately. So what we're gonna be doing this evening is talking about the RSS requirements, how to choose an appropriate topic, how to structure the case study, how to present the case study, the use of visuals, the use of appendices, and looking at the common mistakes and pitfalls. Now, what I would say to you before we start on anything is that the case study is Probably the most important of all the written submissions, so this forms part of the the final submission um, template, so you do your summary of experience you'll send your um, your your um, your um, cPD record, and the case study and the case study leads on to the presentation, which is what we will. Um, question you on for around 10 to 12 even potentially 15 minutes of your um, of your interview so the choice of your subject is very very important so just as a reminder for those that weren't here um, at the last session in terms of the actual dates For submissions, please note that land and property, the submission dates are the 15th to the 24th of August uh, of this year with uh, a proposed interview, uh, October, November uh, of this year. Uh, As I was was explaining to somebody today, even if you are not intending to sit in session two, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be thinking about your case study, even sort of, you know, drafting. Um, uh, a, a case study you can always you can always pause it, come back to it, use it again uh, in the future. The only thing that I would um warn you of is that you will of course have to remember what you 've done and when you did it so if it's too uh, too long ago, you may struggle as I said to remember uh, the the dates. So this is just some of the other pre- uh, submission dates for those that are, that are doing the preliminary review, uh, the, uh, the ASOC RICs uh, and so on and so forth. Don't worry too much about these dates. I'll be sending you these notes um, by email. So you'll have you'll have all of this. So I thought I'd begin this evening's uh, session with um, a definition of, uh, of the case study. What is it? What is this 3,000-word this assessment that we are doing? Well, it's a detailed analysis of a project that you have been extensively involved in during the training period. And I have highlighted three key words there because it's really, really important that you fully grasp what it is the case study is all about. The case study is not just about telling the story of what you've done, okay? It's not just about um, going through a letting that you've been involved in or an acquisition or a sale and just talking through the process. You want to limit the narrative, okay? Because anybody could do that. Anybody could just explain how you go about, you know, doing a a home buyer's valuation or a valuation for for loan security purposes. What we're looking for is that third word there, analysis. What you did and why you did it. Okay, so we are looking for you to be able to analyse your involvement, your specific um, uh, involvement in a project. And to be able to analyse, as I said, what you did and why you did it. And it's that last bit, the why you did it, that is the crucial element. So you need to think when you're thinking about your case study. um, Can I analyse this? You know, what sort of reasoned advice did I give to my client? Because if I'm just simply telling the story, that, my friends, is not a case study. If I can analyse the options that were available to my client and therefore me, how I considered those options and whether or not it was um, you know, what the proposed solution was, what sort of options were there. So think very carefully about that word analysis. The next key word I've highlighted there is you. You. Now, I know it sounds pretty obvious, you know, well, who else is it going to be if it isn't you? But what I mean by that is here is your chance to shine. This is the first thing that the assessors are going to see of your work. When we receive your submissions prior to your assessment, we will be reviewing your, your summary of experience and your case study. And that case study is vitally important in determining your success at final assessment. And when I highlighted you, what I mean by that is you're going to be grilled, as I said, for about anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes. So therefore, you need to choose a subject which you have had responsibility for, not a colleague or your supervisor, and you've you've helped with a bit of it here and there, or you know you've been part of the team. It's perfectly fine that you may have um, called upon senior members to to uh, for, for advice and for guidance. That's absolutely fine, but ultimately, you have to choose a subject which has been your responsibility. And the final sort of key word there is extensively. As I've said, and I sort of keep harping back to it, um, the, 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 the nature of the case study is that they're going to drill into it. You know, they're going to highlight things. They're going to find areas of weakness. They're going to they're, they're probe. They're going to push. And if you choose a subject which you've had only sort of... Um, superficial involvement in, you won't know the answers. So choose a subject that you have um, extensive involvement in so that you can answer the questions in detail. And actually, you'll, you'll note there that the final sort of part of that is during the training period. The case study must have been completed within two years of your final assessment. So you must have been working on this project within the last two years. So if you're aiming to sit in, uh, oh, sorry, submit rather in August of twenty twenty-two, you should be. Um, you should have worked on this sometime after August twenty twenty. That is very, very important. Now, a lot of people say to me, well, can I, you know, this is, I I really want to do this case study, but I, I've been working on this for more than two years and it started, you know, and then I came back to it or whatever, you know, can I sort of tweak the dates or can I, can I change something? And the answer is this, look, you can do whatever you want to do. You can change the dates if you like, you can make up something. But the assessors are fully aware of the market. They know when things have transacted. They, they can look at the, the lease. They can, and if something doesn't add up, that raises alarms, that causes red flags. So the further you deviate from the truth, the more at risk you are. So please, please try to avoid misleading, changing odd bits and pieces because you will get caught out and that could lead to a referral. The case study is a maximum of 3,000 words. Um. Is that sentence unclear to anybody? The case study is a maximum of 3,000 words. It doesn't say plus 10%. It says a maximum of 3,000 words. Please ensure that when you write your case study, you bear that in mind. It's not difficult, I promise you. But you'll be amazed at how many case studies I read as a panel chairman, as an assessor, which are over the word limit. And it frustrates me because if you're given a specific instruction, why just ignore it? Why not actually stick to it? So please ensure that when you fill in the word count at the bottom of the, of the page, the bottom of the document, it doesn't exceed 3,000 words. It must be on a project or projects that you've been in personally involved in. Um, in, in the two years prior to your assessment submission date. A project may have started over two years ago, but your case study should reference your involvement in the past two years. It must provide a critical appraisal of the project, together with an outline of your learning outcomes. This provides important evidence of the competencies you have achieved. The case study must give detailed evidence of your ability to work competently and to apply the knowledge relevant to your pathway. You will use this case study to make a 10-minute presentation to the final assessment panel. So I, 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 I can't sort of overstate the importance of a good case study. Now, I've just come off, um, you know, assessing four candidates a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing that I did with the panel was to talk about the case study. It started off with a very gen- general sort of, you know, what do you think? Good case study, bad case study. Um, and thankfully, all of them were of a reasonable standard. But that, my friends, is often the starting point So the discussion about you and your APC final assessment. And I promise you that whilst you can't pass just based on the case study, nor can you fail just on the case study, you can certainly go a long way either way based on the quality of the submission. Your choice of project is very important and must reflect your specific APC pathway. You may have been working on a complex instruction or large project. Alternatively, the instructional project may be more straightforward and not of great financial value. It may simply be typical of the work with which you have been involved. The project may include work undertaken outside your country of assessment. Your case study validity will be calculated on a rolling period from the date you submit for assessment. You should check that activities you discuss in your case study are within the the required 24 months working back from the date you submit. The assessors will be looking for you to have chosen a real-life project that you've been involved in or may have led on. Consider a project process where you've had to deal with a key issue, an anomaly or a challenge you've had the task of overcoming. So this kind of deals with a very common question which is is it too easy or is it too complex and it's probably easier to to answer that first question is it too easy is it too simple well only you will know that but quite often that question comes up because you may have been involved in something which to you being an expert seems relatively straightforward that's fine You do not have to overcomplicate things. Do not overcomplicate it to the point where the panel don't know what you're talking about. Be focused, be specific. However, you have to get the balance right between complexity and simplicity. You are about to become a chartered surveyor. And this case study is an opportunity for you to showcase your knowledge, your skill, your understanding of your subject matter. matter. So therefore, whilst you can keep the subject relatively straightforward, you should have, if you can, challenges, problems, issues, where you can demonstrate to the client and therefore to the panel how you overcame them. Make sure this relates to the competences of your pathway, demonstrating your professionalism and your ability to problem solve. You're not necessarily expected to be running the project. It's your involvement or role in the team that you must outline, analyse and comment on. And as I said, if the project has been running for some time, you may not have been involved from the start. So your involvement may not have been continuous or the project may not be finished when you prepare your case study. It is not uncommon for somebody to say to me, I took over this when I moved to to that department or when I joined the company. That's absolutely fine. It's your involvement that is important. In this latter case, i.e. when the project hasn't finished, you should provide a prognosis of the outcome. If you know the outcome between sending in your case study and your interview, then include this in your presentation. So again, a, a common question is, well, um, this this particular uh, case study hasn't concluded. You know, the deal hasn't been done, it's under offer, um, or whatever. It's an ongoing um Case study. Uh, maybe it's a rent review, a lease renewal, which is still in lawyers' hands. You know, that's absolutely fine. You don't have to be. Uh, you don't have to have the perfect, um, the perfect case study. You know, we we know because we're in the market that things do take a long time. It is, however, beneficial if you have something which has concluded because it is then easier to reflect on it when it comes to the reflective analysis. If it hasn't concluded, it's difficult to know exactly what, whether your um, um, advice was correct in the first place. You must explain not only the project itself, but the processes you followed and the rationale behind your decision-making. Don't just make a statement, this is what we did, or even this is why, or this is my recommendation to you, Mr. or Mrs. Client. Always follow it up with, why is that your recommendation? Your focus must be on analysing the project. Do not simply provide a summary of what it involved. It is quality, not quantity, that counts. Are there any questions up to this point? Okay, so putting the case study into perspective. I've said on numerous occasions how important it is to, um, to, to, to be very careful Um, And to think very carefully about the choice of case study. And as I explained, the reason for that is because this is where we um, start to gain, you know, a, a, a view as to what you've done over the last couple of years. So the case study will involve work that you've been involved in during your training experience. It may be linked to your summary of experience. It may be linked to your professional development. And most importantly, there will be questions on that during the course of the interview. So, for those of you that are not yet in a position where you've started your case study or you're thinking about a case study or you're behind and you really need to get on with your case study, how do I choose a topic? Now, some of you it's obvious you know you work for a small niche company you do you know something specific that's fine that's great but others you know some of the big bigger firms you may have been uh, had a graduate rotation program you know you may have been involved in uh, in different areas and you're really not sure well should i choose a valuation should i choose a rent review should i choose whatever it may be and you know my 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 advice to you is, first of all, don't be swayed by anybody else. You know, when people say, oh, you know, you've got to do this because the panel don't like it when you do a letting or a valuation or whatever, that's nonsense, okay? The panel has no preconceived ideas as to you should do this or you shouldn't do that. It's about the quality of the submission. So don't worry about, You know, when companies say, oh, we only allow our candidates to do evaluation, well, that's okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean it's right for you. If you have had a number of different rotations or different competencies, ask yourself this question. If you were going to go on Mastermind, sorry, could I just ask everybody, could you just make sure you're on mute, please? Um, There's just a little bit of background noise. Thank you. Um, if you were to go on Mastermind, and I don't know whoever the uh, question master is now, it always changes. But said to you, what's your, you know, what's your specialist subject? What would be your answer? What would be the, what would be the, um, the, the, the subject which you felt most comfortable answering questions on? What would you feel most comfortable presenting on? What, uh, what, what, what subject? Have you, f- have you felt most involved in? That, my friends, is the subject you should be choosing for your case study. You should have personal involvement in a recent project. As I said, it can be any time over those last two years, but frankly, the more recent it is, the better, because you will remember what you did and when you did it and why you did it. It should be a presentable subject with opportunities to demonstrate consideration of options and reasons for rejection. Now, this this is a really, really important point. You know, sometimes I read case studies, which are just a fait accompli, where there are no other options. You know, this is what I did because that's the only thing I could have done. Well... That's not really a case study. That's just saying what you did because you didn't have any other choice. And, you know, apologies for for harping back to lettings, but it's just a good example of this. But, you know, you're instructed to, to, to let some offices, a retail unit, an industrial unit. You go to the market, it's in the middle of the pandemic, there's very little interest. You get one offer, you do a deal with them. That's not a case study. What I'm looking for is I've got three offers, four offers on the table. Now I've got to consider, having regard to my client's aims and objectives, which of those offers should I recommend or which one should I reject? Do I go with the highest rent? Do I go with the best covenant? Do, do I go with the longest lease? Do I, do I go with a combination of all of those things? Options and reasons for rejection. You know, I'll give you an example. Was once working with the NHS, doing their training, and um, we're sitting around a boardroom table in the good old days when we used to have face-to-face meetings. And um, we we had, you know, what are you gonna what are you gonna do for your case today? I'm gonna do a rent review. Okay, great, All right? Talk me through it. So uh, the NHS was the tenant uh, GP surgery, and uh, they get served. A, a trigger notice so I said okay fine right w- what did you do he said well um, you know I looked at the the comparable evidence and uh, it was clear that there was nil increase so um, the trigger notice was actually at nil increase so I said well, when you say the trigger notice do you mean they just sent you a rent review memorandum at the same rent he said, yeah, yeah yeah I said well how on earth are you going to write 3,000 words on that Here's the Rent Review Memorandum, there's nil increase, please sign it, send it back. So, I didn't think that was a very suitable topic for a case study. Make sure the project is commensurate with experience and status, evidencing achievement of all current competencies. You'll see why that statement is very important later on in this session. But what I mean by that is that don't try and impress them with something which is totally outside your area of expertise. You know, we don't expect two-year grads to be valuing portfolios of, you know, 50, 60, 70 properties. Focus on one. There was a in one of my very very first interviews back in probably about two thousand and two, there was um, a girl that that came in and she was um, she, she she was doing a a case study on the acquisition of a shopping centre in Scotland for three hundred million pounds just goes to show how long ago it was it 's probably worth about three million pounds now um Anyway, so here was a two-year grad, worked for a prop co, buying this shopping centre. And, you know, it became very, very obvious during the course of the questioning that she'd she'd been involved in it. But, you know, she'd got the comparables. She'd she'd looked at the zone A. You know, she'd done some due diligence. She hadn't been involved in the acquisition of it. And she got referred because when we started digging into the acquisition, she didn't know the answers. Demonstrate professionalism and a grasp of business and technical skills. It's not just about, you know, your ability to, to, to do a deal, to write a report, to value something, to whatever. That's not what this is about. You know, sometimes there are case studies where you make a recommendation to the client that they don't do it and nothing happens. That's okay. You know, if the deal doesn't happen, it falls through. That doesn't mean you can't do it as a case study. It's about whether or not you've given the advice. If the client decides not to take that advice and the deal doesn't happen, well, there you go. This is not a test of your ability to, to close whatever it is you're, you're thinking of writing. So we move on to the structure. There are four sections. The introduction is the first one, unsurprisingly. In this section, you should provide a summary of the project and what your role was in the project. Include the following. What did you do? What was your level of responsibility? Who were the stakeholders? And what was the timeline? Now, as for relatively simple questions. When you come to write your introduction, which is about 500 words, that is not terribly difficult to do. You know, my... You know, I work for so-and-so. My responsibilities are acting as an asset manager, property manager, a building surveyor, whatever it may be. I report to the, 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 the director. This is, the, this is the, the, the project. This is who I was acting for. This is the proposed timeline. This is when it started. This is when it concluded. explain who you are and where you work you know we don't know anything about you so when we get that initial case study through i'm interested to know a little bit more about you explain what the instruction is and what your sp- specific role is the level of responsibility and this is a an interesting one always remember to write in the first person i did this i did that i advised the client so even if it's part of a team, you know, supervised by, that's fine. But always write in the first person. And, my friends, in your interview, remember to always speak in the first person. I did this, not we did this. In your case study, remember terms of engagement, fees, conflict of interest check money laundering even if you haven't done any of those because it may already have been done that's fine then say so so that the panel know exactly that that you know that you should have that so if you say you know I checked to make sure that our terms of engagement were correct and up to date that the It wasn't wasn't necessary to confirm fees As this had already been part of an ongoing instruction Um, The anti-money laundering checks were up to date A check to make sure there was no conflict of interest etc That's absolutely fine Describe the property including the physical characteristics It doesn't matter whether you're commercial, residential, building surveying, whatever It is vitally important that you are able To describe the physical characteristics of the building What sort of year was it built? How was it constructed? Was it a concrete frame? Was it a timber frame? Was there cladding? Was it a pitched roof? Flat roof? What are the windows like? Are they double glazed? Are they sliding, sash, single um, glazed timber frame? Explain who the tenant is or is it multi-let, is it vacant, what are the lease terms? In other words, this introduction, these 500 words are setting the scene. Mention the inspection of the property. Inspection, as you know, for most of you, is a core competency. You've inspected the property in accordance with the RICS guide to surveying safely. These are hooks, which will prompt the panel to ask you questions in the interview. It's fine to say that you inspected or measured the property under the supervision of your boss or director or supervisor. Measurement. This is a core competency. So it, so it is important that you measure the subject property, even if you didn't. Refer to the Code of Measuring practice or IPMS confirm if you measured on a GIA or NIA basis or IPMS 1, 2 or 3 but don't explain what it is these are the hooks that the panel will use to ask you questions oh I see you measured the building on a net internal area basis, what did you include and exclude from that net internal area basis? Yes Ideally there should be three aims and objectives. These are the client's aims and objectives, not your personal objectives. And you should set them out clearly with a brief explanation as to why they are aims and objectives. The reason for this being, uh, that, that is, the reason why this is important is because when you come to the reflective analysis, you will reflect on whether or not you achieved your aims and objectives. Second section, my approach. In this section you should describe the key issues or challenges on the project. You may write about one or more key issues but remember you only have a limited word count for the case study. Explain the issues to make it clear to the assessors why it or they became a challenge for you. Explain the options you considered and the solutions you identified. Explain why some of the options were not feasible. What is a key issue? A key issue is a factor that affects the decision-making process. In order to meet your your client's aims and objectives, I had to consider these key issues. That is sorry, Jude. Would you mind just um, muting, please? Um, That is what a key issue is the factors which affect the decision making process. Ideally, there should be three. Refer back to the aims and objectives and ask yourself so, in order to meet those aims and objectives, what do I have to consider? Those are your key issues. Try if appropriate, to include valuation as a key issue if you're not doing a valuation case study as it is a core competency. So it may be establishing the market rent, it may be establishing the market value, whatever it may be. Still section two, options. It's essential that the case study has options that will enable you to consider your client's aims and objectives. You must then advise which options would be rejected and why. The reasons for rejection are as important as the proposed solution. So again, when you're looking at your case study and you've set out, these are the options available to you. So let's take, for example, a property management case study. Something which is pretty, common, shall we say, these days, is dealing with arrears, rent arrears. And we're now coming to a situation whereby the, 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 the Coronavirus Act is coming to an end, the moratorium, etc. So there will be um, opportunities to pursue tenants for non-payment of rent. So when you have a situation whereby the tenant hasn't paid their rent, you can set out the options that are available to you, for example, draw down on the rent deposit, pursue a guarantor, serve a statutory demand, crave them, forfeit the lease. But not only do we want to know what your recommendation is and why, so let's say that you, your, your recommendation is to forfeit the lease, and of course we want to know, well, why? We also want to know why you wouldn't draw down on the rent deposit, why you wouldn't crave them, so you can explain, well, I wouldn't draw down the rent deposit because it didn't cover the arrears or there wasn't a rent deposit. There is no guarantor. Um, crying them would have made no no difference because the, um, the, 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 the unit was closed. They were non-responsive. So that's why we wanted a forfeit lease. Assume that the assessors are clients looking for a full and detailed reasoning behind the advice that you have given, not just simply stating the advice. And as I said, remember to write in the first person. Section three, my achievements. Very simply, what did you achieve? What was the deal? What was the, what was the case study? What was the end result? How did you achieve it? What was your involvement? Demonstrate your ability to think logically, laterally and professionally giving examples of where you gave reasoned advice to a client for your Level 3 competences. Conclusion. In this section, you need to reflect on and analyse your performance and make reference to the lessons that you've learnt and what you would do differently next time. You know, one of the things about the case study is, is and you know, the whole APC as a process is, is learning from the experience. So not everything needs to have gone perfectly. Mistakes may have been made. Now, obviously you don't want to highlight mistakes, but certainly lessons learned. You know, what could you have done differently? What could you have improved upon? Did you meet those aims and objectives? And if not, was there something that you could have done to have maybe met them? So when you reflect, look back at your aims and objectives and reflect upon which aims you met. You don't have to have achieved everything you set out to do. Consider this section to reflect your achievements in the case study and demonstrate your ability to think logically, laterally and professionally throughout the case study. Think of this, a pool of water. You drop a pebble into that pool and the ripples emerge. And that's the same with your case study and the impact that it may have on your client's property, the portfolio, the parade, whatever it may be. What impact, what, 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 what additional impact might your advice, your actions actually have? on your client. The critical appraisal. Be critical. You know, not everybody gets it right. Gets, you, know, you don't want to say, for example, if you're doing evaluation, oh yeah, we got this wrong and we, we got sued. Of course you don't want to say that. But but try to highlight areas which you feel you could improve upon. So maybe, for example, if if whatever it is you're doing took too long, let's say you're doing a rent review, and you know the, the client wanted it done as soon as possible, but you know it took ages. it took you know six months to, to settle it. Maybe in your critical appraisal you could say that, that what you should have actually done was to you know make direct telephone contact with your uh, other side. you might have threatened them with you know a calledder bank offer, uh, you could have appointed a third party. You know, something to speed up the process. So it doesn't necessarily mean you got it wrong, but you know next time how to improve your performance and what lessons have you learned from undertaking this case study. Appendix A is where you list the competencies that you have achieved in the case study, the technical, the core, the core, the optional and the mandatory as well. The appendices the appendices are as important as the case study it forms part of it. You will be questioned on it it is read uh, in conjunction with the case study so the appendices should be used to support your case study. The word count of three thousand words does not include the appendices nor my friends, does it include the headers, the footers, the table of contents, the um, schedules of comparable evidence, for example, that is not included in the word count. Photographs should be in colour, focus, and clearly titled, attention to detail. Maps and plans should have a north point, a scale, and reference to copyright. It is illegal to reproduce a map or a plan, whatever it may be, without reference to copyright, whether it be from Google, Land Registry, whatever. And if you don't know the scale because it's been reduced for the purposes of your your, um, case study, just say it's uh, not to scale. Um, Although not included in the word count, the appendices are an important part of the case study. You can be asked questions on the information contained within the appendices. Confidentiality. You must ensure you have your employers and your clients' consent to disclose any sensitive details in your submission. If you cannot get this consent, you should disguise facts that might otherwise make the project identifiable. Similarly, commissions undertaken by you may have been litigious and confidential. You should explain this at the outset and change the name, location and function of the building or asset so that it would be unrecognisable. The information contained in your submission will be treated as confidential by your panel of assessors and RICS. Just on this point, if you seek the consent of your employer and or your client and they don't give it to you, you cannot use it. References. Extracts from Acts of Parliament, case law, other sources should not be quoted at length but essential references must be given. The total word count will be included at the end of the case study, and you can include notes on what you've included in that word count, i.e. 2,950 words, not including headers, footers, tables, schedules, etc. The assessors will be looking to see that you have kept within the prescribed word count for both your summary of experience and your case study. So an overview. While writing the case study you should be aware of what evidence you've already provided in your summary of experience and ensure that the level and scope of activities you're describing is consistent with what's been detailed in the summary. The assessors will look at the summary of experience and case study individually but will also take a holistic view, review all your written evidence together before you submit it and make sure that there are no omissions or contradictions. Finally, your submission must reflect your abilities in the following areas. Written, graphic communication, professional standards of organisation and presentation, analysis, reflective thought and problem solving, learning from experience gained. You may find the preliminary review feedback if that's what you're doing. Uh, beneficial as a checklist to consider if you've met the submission requirements for the case study. Let me just focus on that for just a, a second. The written and graphic communication, professional standards of organisation and presentation. You'll see shortly why this is important, but I cannot stress the, uh, the importance of accuracy of, 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 of a well-written case study. Take the time and effort to do a spell check. Check your grammar. Add up your floor areas. If you're converting from square feet to square meters or vice versa, check to make sure that you've got the the numbers correct. That's the sort of thing that the assessors will check. And if you've made a mistake, that's going to cause you a big problem. That very first impression, when we, you know, I, I always print out the submissions. And when we start sort of start flicking through them, you know if there's something which is really poorly written with 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 basic spelling errors i'm immediately thinking this does not bode well the format you know on the left there we've got the text just you know written out Long hands, just get it all down, it's all there. But as you can see, it's difficult to read, it's difficult to annotate, and it just shows me that the, that the, that the candidates just, you know, quick, 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 get it down. And I wanna see something which is neat and clean and well-presented. You know, so if you look at the after bit, we've got line spacing. We've got bullet points, indentations, headings, in bold, underlined if necessary. It stands out. It's nice. It's neat. It's well formatted. It's clear. It shows the panel. This person has taken time to make this as best as it can be. Create the best impression you can before you go into that virtual interview room. Trust me when I tell you it makes a huge difference. I was alluding to this right at the very beginning. This is the assessor's mark sheet. This is what we have on our desks when we are reading your case study. I, I offer it to you as a way of ensuring that when you write your case study, you will be able to tick off all of those and make sure that you've answered the questions before you write it. And you'll see the very first thing there, is it suitable? So before we've even read it, before we've even looked in any great detail, is the project or, or, or the, the case study actually an appropriate subject? And it says in brackets, within 24 months, the introduction, a summary of the project and what their role was, approach, key issues or challenges on the project identified, options considered and solutions identified, achievements, describe what they've achieved and how, ability to think logically, laterally and professionally, giving examples of where they've given reasoned advice to a client for level 3 competences conclusion, critical analysis of their performance lessons learnt and what they, do, what they would do differently next time and a good display of professional and technical knowledge and problem solving abilities and finally look how important it is, it's right there on the mark sheet the overall standard of written presentation, layout spelling, grammar graphics. Don't, don't get referred because your case study is poorly presented. There is no excuse. My advice to you, whether you're doing it in session two or session one of next year or whenever, don't leave this to the last minute. You might think, well, I know what I'm doing. I can write 3,000 words, you know, one evening. That is, that is maybe. But I promise you, in order to get it to an acceptable standard, which I'm going to approve, if you leave it to the last minute, I promise you there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be errors. And that's because it's been left to the last minute. Get it done early and let's get it right. How not to do it. You know these are some of the the, 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 um, the comments from uh, for, on, on case studies that, that are, where, where candidates have been referred your case study was to an acceptable standard but the panel consider it to have been an ill-judged selection as regards subject matter you're allowed to resubmit this critical analysis or case study at your next attempt but you're recommended to select the more straightforward and less Contentious subject. So straight away, it's saying it's too complicated. You know, you've tried to sort of overdo it. Just make it more straightforward. Your case study was competently set out with appropriate headings and sections, but without a word count to assess whether you'd kept to the 3,000 word brief. You did not include any references, a relevant points in the text to the five appendices A to E, which left the information contained therein unrelated to the main body of the document. You can see that how sort of specific they are. There are no references, so there are, there is a there's an appendices uh, there, there are appendices A to E, but you haven't actually said where they are in the text attention to detail. The subject of your case study was a suitable one and reflected your day-to-day work. Despite a couple of grammatical errors and wrong dates, and they're very specific here, page 7, clause 1.9, the tenancy termination, January 2013, and the last line of the paragraph, 24th of August 2013, when it should have been 2012. The documentation was generally well laid out and was within the suggested workout. You were able to rectify and confirm the dates in question during your presentation. The panel raised a concern over your conversion of square meters to square feet and would request that these are revisited together with a review of your map at Appendix C which has a copyright logo on the bottom left-hand corner, but the north point has been been added manually post-printing before resubmitting your critical analysis. So you can see here that, you know, whilst this may not necessarily have led directly to a referral, there were some quite substantial errors here, grammatical errors, wrong dates, the that he'd obviously forgotten. This was when we were doing prior to the electronic submission, uh, the actual uh, printing and submission of the, uh, of the documentation, had forgotten to put the copyright logo on and had basically sort of cop, you know, printed it and stuck it on with PritStick. You know, this is somebody that is going to be a chartered surveyor. And yet, in a, in, in a report which he's had six, 12 months to work on, there are still grammatical errors There are still numerical mistakes in the conversion of square meters to square feet. So therefore, doesn't that cause some concern about the candidate and their ability to advise their clients? If they're writing a report, do they they make the same sort of mistakes? Although it was evident to the panel that you were familiar with the topic in question, there was difficulty in establishing what key issues were gained. There was concern regarding your rental analysis and the rate agreed. The subject was somewhat simplistic in nature, so now we're going the other way. And much commentary contained within your case that appeared to be drawn out in order to achieve circa 3,000 words. As an observation, it would be more beneficial to discuss a more recent topic where experience was gained instead of referring to a letting that took place over four years ago. This was at a time before the two-year rule came in. And that, my friends, is your introduction to the case study. I would now like to invite any questions.